the three guys want to take this moment and send out a special congratulations to two of our listeners, Zach and Jocelyn, who just tied the knot. May your life be filled with love and happiness. Congratulations, guys. Hey, man, it's me, Kevin Smith, the annoying voice of podcasting, and you're listening to the non-annoying Three Guys in a Flick. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume from 9 to, to 11. I, I told Bill, if Sandra is going to listen to the headphones while she's filing, then I, I should be able to listen to the radio while I'm collating. So I don't see why I should have to turn down the radio because I enjoy listening at a reasonable volume. Thank you. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode office space beware spoilers coming to you from what's left of anatex office building my name is don and to my right we have our comic book guy john fucking a and to my left we have the professor ken good evening everybody and joining us tonight for her second time on the three guys this is julie i i, I believe you have my stapler <laughs> yes i do have your stapler and i'm fucking keeping it how you guys doing tonight Doing great. Swell. Awesome. Okay. What about you? How are you doing tonight? I am doing not too bad. Not too bad. You, you survived this movie. I did. I don't hate this movie by any stretch you of the You just seem to hate everybody in this movie? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But we're going to get into that, and it's going to be so much fun. Office Space comes to us because Julie so graciously submitted it to our Bronco helmet and was nice enough to come on and join us again and review Office Space. So, Julie, why did you put Office Space into the Bronco helmet to begin with? At the time this movie came out, it was my life. I lived it, and it's tragically hilarious. <laughs> I, in my career, have probably spent close to 20 years living in a cubicle environment. And have you ever worked in an office environment like that? Yes, I've worked on both sides. I've yeah. worked at both Tchotchkes and at Inatech. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so... Which one was better? I don't know. Come back to me on that one. How about you, Ken? What do you mean? Have what? you worked in a place with cubicles and... Uh, not really. No? Lucky. I spent about 13 years... In a little cubicle that kept getting smaller and smaller and every year. What's funny, if it weren't for COVID, you'd probably still be in said cubicle. Well, that was when I worked for Verizon. When I was uh, doing customer service and doing internet stuff. And uh, I just hated it. The whole thing was literally living office space. Yeah. Released on February 19th, 1999. Office space was directed by Mike Judge. Screenplay by Mike Judge based on a cartoon short called Milton, created by Mike Judge. And it stars Ron Livingston, Jennifer Aniston, Stephen Root, Gary Cole, David Herman, A.J. Nadu, Orlando Jones, and a bunch of other office workers. How'd this movie do, Don? This movie was made for $10 million and brought in $12 million. Yeah, I guess uh, Mike Judge blames that on the advertising on the way that it was promoted. He thinks it was promoted very poorly. Well, obviously. 
right? Clearly. Uh, it, it's in the box office in the first week, it hit number eight. After that, it was not in the top 10. And it, it had a very pre- precipitous fall. Yeah. It's, it's achieved kind of a cult status, though, since then. So I wonder how it's done in video sales, like over the years. Well, it's given Mike Judge the freedom to do pretty much whatever he wants. Did yeah. you guys ever watch Silicon Valley on HBO? No. 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 Oh, he created that. It's so funny. It's about the tech industry. If you get a chance, check it out. It's absolutely hilarious. I, I watched Beavis and Butthead. Who didn't? Right? I didn't. You didn't watch Beavis and Butthead? No. Nope. Oh, interesting. Idiocracy? Did you ever watch that one? Yeah, I've seen it. Have nope. you seen that one? No. Okay. All right, there you go. And that's pretty much it for my judge. I think, I think <laughs> Idiocracy's in the helmet, so hopefully that one comes up some point. Yes, it is. Uh, did you see the tagline for this movie? Work sucks. Work sucks. I think that is just a great tagline for a movie. Uh, I believe it was the producers that said they blamed one of the reasons why this movie did so poorly is they wanted to have a big all-star cast in it. And Mike Judge wanted to have the movie be complete nobodies. And they eventually settled with just one big person, which was Jennifer Aniston. Uh, And speaking of Jennifer Aniston, how did you think she fared in this endeavor? I thought she did okay. Um, I always love Jennifer Aniston. I mean, just she's on my list, so... He loves her, but she oh. just did okay. But I almost feel anybody could have played that role. She did. She didn't, you know, strike me as um, standing out in this movie. Interesting. I thought she did great, but I kind of agree with John. Anybody could have played the role, so you know, it wasn't anything special. But she was believable. Yeah, totally. She's just somebody that uh, has an average story arc, if you will. Right, and I agree with all three of you. I think that you know Jennifer Aniston is. Pretty hot at the time. She's yummy. Right. Well, I meant It's as in the a, middle of Friends. Yeah, that's what I meant, comic book guy. But you're not wrong. I think that, you know, you could have swapped anyone in that role in 99, and it would still kind of feel the same. Of this cast, was there a standout for you? There was someone that you thought uh, was just perfect in this role? Uh, for me, uh, one that stands out is John C. McGinley, one of the Bobs. Uh, you know, he goes on to do scrubs and just is hilarious in that. And I thought that he stood out. Milton stands out and Lumberg stands out. Professor, anybody stand out for you? Uh, not necessarily. I think that you have a, uh, an endearing character in Milton. Milton has some, uh, very fun moments in the movie and the rest of the characters all have their moments as well, but nobody necessarily stands out to me. And for the most part, I know just about everybody in the movie to only this movie. Ron Livingston, I know him from Band of Brothers, and that's it. I think that was also what the um, writer was going for, too. So then that played out what he wanted. Yeah. For me, uh, as a cast, I don't know. I didn't feel like there was any chemistry there between all of them. I agree. That's just me. I I, I, I agree. Was there anybody that stood out to you, Julie, that you kind of liked the most? Um, no, I think they all just kind of played their part. Mm-hmm. Um, we all kind of can relate to each of the characters because, you know, we have worked with people that are similar. But I don't think that there's any, maybe I'll go for the second Bob, since you didn't identify which Bob. Oh, the the balding one? Or I guess, are they the, the one without suspenders? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say the lady in the background. The receptionist? What does she say? 
Accounts Payable. This is Nina. One moment. You know, I thought my TV was broken when I was watching it last night. One moment. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, I, I, you know, there was the main story going on. I actually liked the sub stories better. Uh, Milton was the one. Stephen Root, who stood, just stood out to me, uh, was just so much fun for me throughout the whole movie, just following his storyline the whole long the whole way along mike judge actually put him in this movie or created this milton character based off of an actual you know office worker co-worker he used to have they used to always talk about quitting his job if they ever moved him again it was a short before this and then i guess it was on saturday night live it was these little animated clips and that they did i must not have watched saturday night live in the 90s but i don't yeah, remember. yeah I, I never watched you it. can catch it on youtube they have them all on youtube yeah interesting to think that the whole idea and the whole script comes from just this one character, mm-hmm. right? Apparently, Mike Judge had to, uh, he had to fight hard to get Milton onto the cover, uh, the uh, the poster that has the guy covered in sticky notes. Uh-huh. So corporate wanted just that, and Mike Judge was like, I need more, I need more, and he had to fight hard to get Milton put on there. Oh, really? Yeah, Milton eventually now peeks out behind the post-it guy. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I felt like, you know, he kind of stole the movie. But, Don, you kind of felt he was annoying? Uh, yeah, he gets on my nerves after a while. Mm. So, uh, I think the the Bob stole the movie. And when we get there, I just, I love his delivery. It's just brilliant. I I uh, watched this. I didn't see it in the theater. I only saw it, uh, you know, on um VHS probably at the time. What the <laughs> fuck is VHS? <laughs> and um I think I I watched it 3 times before I knew that was Stephen Root. Where else do you know yeah. him from? Um news radio? Yes. Yeah, that's the only other place I know him as well. And One other place. Dodgeball. Well, yeah, he's in Dodgeball as well. Yeah, that was after. What did you think of Ron Livingston? I kind of, you know, maybe the, I don't know if this is what Mike Judge was going for cuz I thought he was kind of going for this rebellious type character, but I thought he kind of came off as a dick throughout the whole movie. He does come off as a dick throughout the entire movie. What do you think there, Jules? I liked him. I thought he was believable, and I, you know, we've all worked with people that are like him. It's kind of like the one of the first jobs out of college, and you know, uh, out sure. of fucks just doesn't give one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? What do you think of Livingston? I thought he was great in this. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I thought that his character uh, was uh, a lot of fun to watch. His story arc that he goes through is what the movie focuses on, and I don't know. I bought it. Yeah, I have to admit, uh, when I first saw it, I remember that his character really annoyed me, and I don't know why. And then watching it again last night, he kind of grew on me just a little bit, and I still think there's a better choice out there <laughs> for Peter Gibbons. In 1999. What did you guys think of the music choices in this movie? It was a lot of uh, heavy rap. Yes, there was a lot of heavy rap. Uh, Ironic, I guess. Uh, It's there, you know, to make us feel like it's edgy. Agreed. Right, gritty, urban. Yeah. I know the producers had issues with the music. They thought it would turn people off. I can see why. I absolutely can see why. But if you, for me, if you, when I watch it and you just are taking it with what they're showing you and I think it's ironic and I think it's funny Mm -hmm. and I think that's probably what they were going for. Sure. Our our first taste of it is when we're introduced to Michael, right? He's, he's commuting in the morning and he's got the music cranked up and clearly knows the entire song. Right. And he's this white nerdy guy, but he, oh, he's a badass. Oh no, 
he's not because he slyly locks the door. Right. And turns the volume down, stops singing as someone drives by. Right. What'd you think? I thought it was good, like in that opening scene, but after that, it kind of put me off. Oh, did it? Yeah. You don't like hardcore hip hop? I do not. Well, 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 it definitely works in one other scene. When they're um, beating up the the printer, the fax machine, or was it a printer? It was a printer. Okay. The printer. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it was both. It was a printer slash fax machine. But so. it, actually, it's funny that you bring up the music because when it ended, um, this was the first time Nana watched it with us, and she she laughed and thought it was funny. But it got to the end where they were just showing the credits and they were playing the music, and it was bothering me so much. I'm like, can we just turn it off so we don't have to hear this anymore? <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I do love the intro music, though, while we're meeting everybody. It's a campy, fun sound. Is it about that time, Don? Uh, yeah, guys, I think it is that time. Welcome to another edition of Master Movie Trivia. I am your reigning champ. You may call me champ. I have compiled five questions and five questions only to test your knowledge of the movie that we are reviewing. Each question could be worth multiple points, so if you know the answer, say it. And Please wait until I finish reading each question. How many pieces of flair did writer and director Mike Judge tell Jennifer Aniston was the minimum amount of flair allowed at Chotsky's? 15. 15. Yeah, I'm going to give it a tie to all three of you. How much did the ATM receipt say when Peter checked it Monday morning? 308,000. I said 300,000. I thought it was 363,000. 305, 326, 13. So nice guess, guys. I like Except it. for mine. I didn't go over. No, well, it wasn't an over-under. I run a very tight ship here. Question number three. Gary Cole and Stephen Root have appeared in another movie reviewed by the three guys. Name it. Talladega Nights and Dodgeball. I was going to say Dodgeball. It's Dodgeball. Uh, Stephen Root wasn't in Talladega Nights. The answer is Dodgeball. Good job. And for a bonus question, who put Dodgeball into the helmet? I did. I thought it was you. John. Okay, so here we're going to have controversy because in the Bronco helmet, it says Julie. So did you sneak that in and put it under her name? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Professor gets the fucking point. Question number four. At movie's end, where do Samir and Michael find employment? Panatech? Close, I like it. In introspect? Close, I like it. I got nothing. Intertrode. 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 And finally, what movie is Michael's computer virus scheme inspired by? God, I know. Superman 3. Yes. And for a bonus point, what actor portrayed the computer genius Gus Gorman in Superman 3? Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor. I hadn't finished it. You were disqualified. Professor, congratulations. You are the winner of tonight's trivia and you are one step closer to movie immortality. Peter Gibbons is a frustrated and unmotivated programmer who works at Texas-based software company Inatech. Unable to stand up to his overcritical girlfriend Anne, he is in love with local waitress Joanna, but is afraid to speak to her. He is friends with co-workers Samir and Michael Bolton, who hates having the same name as the famous singer. Other co-workers are Milton, 
Amit Collator, who mumbles to himself and is mostly ignored by the rest of the office, and Tom Samowski, a jaded product manager who is routinely scared of being fired. The staff suffers under top-heavy, callous management, especially from Vice President Bill Lumberg, whom Peter hates and avoids confronting. Lumberg takes obvious delight in micromanaging all of his staff in a drab, monotone way. He repeatedly makes Milton move his desk and assigns him humiliating tasks, while making Peter work almost every weekend. So this movie opens up with a situation that I'm sure... 90% of our listeners have been in traffic. Maybe they're in it right now listening to this. That's a great point, Professor. Yeah. And whatever lane you get into is going to be the slower lane. Or, newsflash, stay where you're at. Right? After Peter gets over the first time and the other lane starts going, why on earth would he want to get back into that lane? Does he not understand how traffic works? Anybody? Have you ever been so frustrated with traffic that you like are sit there screaming and yelling and pounding on your steering wheel? Not in a very long time, but I have been there and I have been in traffic. I think I've just learned to breathe a little bit more. I think that was my every uh, trip home from work. Sure. I not only with the tra- the traffic and switching the lanes, but that old guy walking with his little walker <laughs> and he gets so far ahead and he's ahead of the car in the traffic. It makes me laugh every time I see it. Yeah, that's our introduction to Peter. Peter is seeing just how fruitless his efforts are panning out when he has that elderly man with the stroller beating him. I thought it was a perfect way to open the movie because we all just hate traffic and it really sets the mood of the movie. It's just going to be this dark comedy. Oh, sure. And then uh, we... Michael? Yep, and we kind of talked about that. Um when he rolls up the window and turns down the music, is is he racist? Well, he locks the door, too. So, yeah, it was a very uh, kind of white guy racist. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and then Samir, he's the guy pounding on the... He's raging. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then we see, oh, so briefly, Milton sitting at the bus stop. And then we are introduced to Inatech. What would you guys think of this? I just loved how they started off with Peter. You know, you see he's walking across this lo- you know big parking lot, and here comes the boss and his Porsche moving in right into the front spot. I know. Not only did you just spend an hour and a half in traffic, but now you got to park a mile away. Yeah, that kind of sucks. And it already sets off that we know that the boss is a dick. And we are introduced to his cubicle land life, and the very first thing that we get uh, right after he sits down is just that that wonderful little. Like I was being speaking just a moment. Yeah. Loop, loop, loop. It's like, oh my gosh, it's nails across the chalkboard. Well, he's got all those like sounds and stuff going on all around him that, you know, when you're in that cubicle life, you try to learn to tune out, but it just follows you home. You hear it in your dreams. Yeah. Bill pays a visit. He's upset. Well, he's not upset, but he wants to talk to him about that TPS report, that cover sheet. Uh, we sort of have a problem here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did you not get the memo? And I swear to God, if they use that memo joke one more time. Do you know what TPS stood for? Test program set. Yeah, test program set. Because I guess that's what his job is. He was supposed to test a bunch of these little things. Well, I like how he has like five bosses. So each one's checking with him about the memo and the. He, he says he has eight bosses. Oh, eight bosses? Yeah. Well, in yeah, in the interview. So there's three unseen bosses that he probably heard. Mm-hmm. Well, know, one of them calls the him on the phone. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then when they go to the restaurant, his friends are like, yeah, what's going on with your TPS reports? Yeah. So he heard it from his friends as well. You see, we're putting cover sheets on the TPS reports. So that'd be great. And then we get to see Milton. And the, the precious thing about Milton that is so wonderfully exaggerated are his Coke bottle glasses. That and his big, eyes are magnified so strongly. His big ass eyeballs, yeah. yeah. It makes me laugh every time. Well, it, dude, I was going to say, and that's how he's almost always shown, is directly straight for, forward so we can see those eyes hyper, yeah. hyper, yeah. Uh, you know, it's super large. I always love Milton's little dialogue, uh, but I never, I don't think I've ever caught how many times he says in his dialogue throughout the movie, he's like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to burn this place down. Yeah, yeah, I didn't notice that until I watched it again, and which made foreshadowing this movie pretty easy. And so, you know, just listening to that 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 timid, feeble little voice, I I thought it was fun, and I thought it made his character uh, always enjoyable when he was on the screen. But you have said off air, Don, that this character bothers you, and is it because he that's all he does, or is it because you don't like where his character ends up with the movie? I think what it is is that he's funny in doses, and I don't know. I mean, why is he still there? Clearly, nobody fucking cares about him. And what really hammers it at home, and actually kind of really breaks my fucking heart, is the cake scene. I knew you were gonna. I knew that's where you were going. Well, they, they, I think every time when I see it, as he's moving the cake down, I'm if I'm Milton, I'm like, fuck you. I'm eating this piece of cake. Well, he just never stands up for himself. But the one thing you get earlier, like actually was when the Bobs came in, is that Milton was actually let go months before. He was laid off, but I, nobody told him. Five years. Oh, was it five years? Five years. And they had still been giving him a paycheck, even though he'd been laid off. I think that's why you know the boss was treating him like crap, because he knew it. And then they just stopped giving him a paycheck, and he still showed up to work. Yeah, well, I mean, that's on him, mm-hmm. so... Well, I kept thinking during the cake scene with all those people there, cut the pieces smaller. Yeah, there's those were that. huge pieces. Yeah. Yes, it was. After Milton, then we get to see Michael and Samir in their little workstation and the first uh, little brief moment where the uh, the printer is not cooperating. And, you know, Michael slaps, slams his hand across it. I swear to God. One thing I love about this movie is revisiting past technology. What do you think of those computers they were using? Oh, they made me laugh. Yeah. I remember those computers. When they were just all one piece and uh, you couldn't really turn them off until they were done and there was no... Yeah. Yeah. The the mainframe. Yeah. And the sounds. Oh. So we are also now seeing that these, uh, these friends of Peter's, Michael and Samir, they are frustrated in their own life as well at Inatech. Yeah, and Peter's completely fucking miserable. And I like how it's 9 o'clock in the morning, he just got there, and he goes over to him and he goes, hey, you guys want to go to Chachi's and get some fucking coffee? I mean, that must be the life, right? Yeah. The, what the heck? You could do that? That, that you can just slide out of, of work for a while? And, <laughs> come when on. I, when I used to work at a certain insurance company way back when, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I do. I used to do that shit all the time. <laughs> I think I was Peter, and I think now that we're talking about this, I think I didn't like him because he reminds me too much of me. So, breakthrough. I call that therapy. At one of the places that I used to work, uh, 
I was just amazed because I worked, you know, where I could look out the window and see where all the people were smoking. And I swear I would see the same people out there smoking every hour on the hour uh, for probably 20, 30 minutes at a time. We have Peter and he has taken a notice to the waitress. And so this is a reveal for us that there's going to be some sort of a future story arc here with the waitress. Right. And as we are there, I crack up watching Michael dump the sugar into his coffee. I counted four sugar packets that oh, he really? dumped in. According oh. to online, it's five packets he puts in. Yeah, well, I saw, yeah. him, I saw him dump it. I know, four. we were talking about it. It seemed like a lot of packets. Uh, what do you think of the whole, obviously, this is supposed to be TGIF Fridays. What'd I you get think you something to nibble on? Some pizza shooters, shrimp poppers, extreme fajitas? Yeah. yeah. want to smack that guy upside the head. Of course you do. He's too chipper. Clearly, TGIF Fridays. And funnily enough, because of this movie, they all stopped using flair. Mm-hmm. So uh, way to go, Mike Judge. He got that taken care of. I bet you there were thousands of TGIF employees going, thank God. Did you know that that chipper guy, that blonde guy, ended up suing the movie? For what? Uh, apparently, his likeness, his picture was used on outside movie materials like a book and other items. And uh, he said he would never agree to any of it. So he sued, and the lawsuit ended up getting dismissed. Oh, that fucking sucks. Yeah. As they come back to the office, Tom is outside to greet them, to meet them. And he is letting them know that there is some some sort of hinky things going on where potentially somebody might be losing a job. Right. Here come the consultants, right? Let me ask you this. Do you think it was necessary for him to sprint across the... Parking lot to town. Exactly. I thought the same thing. Oh, no. Where I worked, uh, we had that almost every year. People come in like that. Uh And that was the big office gossip of the day is that people were going around. They're they're here today. Who do you think is getting laid off? Did someone get, someone just got a call. Is he getting laid off? Or he just got called in the office. Or you've got a meeting at noon. You're gone. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've been there too. Yeah. But would they run down the embankment and up to wave it? I mean, that just seemed far-fetched to me. And the poor guy's going to have a heart attack anyway. And Tom, that, that's all that Tom is about. He's scared of losing his job. Yeah. But then when they go, when they walk back up the hill and he keeps falling, it still <laughs> made me giggle. Yeah. And then they crowd around in their cubicle for a little while and still kind of, you know, try to guess who's going and, and They're what's still happening. not working. Yeah. Still not working. That's right. We get another brief uh, printer moment where PC load letter. What the fuck does that mean? I guess that was improvised. Did you guys hear that? Well, I love how he he also smacked the printer, I think, at that point, and a piece went flying, and he looked like he was really surprised that piece went flying. Yeah. We have Peter at home, and <laughs> I love this bit at home with Lawrence. Oh, through the walls? Through the wall. I have to say, I did enjoy Lawrence as a character. He's in it for like three scenes, but mm. he, he made me a. laugh. He made me laugh. Uh, we have a friend who actually uh, lives in a townhouse that's connected to, you know, two townhouses. And he says well, every time he sneezes, his neighbor says, Gesundheit, or bless you. Nice. I like Lawrence's answer to Peter's question about the million dollars. It's just a one-liner, and it just makes me laugh. I two, would do two nothing. Women, two chicks. Two oh. chicks. <laughs> Peter is worried that he's going to be having to work the, this weekend, and he gets the idea from Lawrence that he's got to duck out early. You know, just pack up early. And so watching him go through that little routine, you know, I loved the whole bit of having his computer needing to shut down that, you know, it's saving, saving, 
saving. The whole time he's doing a little prairie dog of popping up, looking around for his boss. And, and then <laughs> rebuilding index. What the fuck? How come we couldn't just leave? That's what I was I thinking. I thought the same thing. That's right? what I was thinking. Yeah. But he didn't. And he waited to get the little C prompt. And, you know, the classic trope, he pops up, thinks he got away with it, but he didn't. Yeah. Peter, I'm going to need you to come in this weekend. Sunday, too. We're playing catch up. So, fuck that guy, right? Earlier on, uh, Michael and Samir asked Peter if he can play cards uh, Friday night, and it turns out that he's going to a hypnotherapy session with his girl. Occupational hypnotherapist. Well, thank you. (laughs) I stand corrected. Uh, With his girlfriend, Anne. Well, she's probably cheating on him. Yeah, I get that feeling, too. What does that mean? (laughs) Yeah, Lauren says it, too. Yeah, all of them. And he's always so dumbfounded, right? Poor Peter. Anne persuades Peter to attend an occupational hypnotherapy session led by Dr. Swanson. Swanson hypnotizes Peter and tells him to feel relaxed and stop caring about his job until he snaps his fingers. However, Swanson suddenly dies of a heart attack before snapping Peter out of it. Peter sleeps soundly through the next day, ignoring phone calls from Lumberg and Anne, who angrily breaks up with him while confirming suspicions that she has been cheating on him. A pair of business consultants are brought in to help the company's downsize, and Peter begins dating Joanna. She works at a trendy chain restaurant and is required to wear pieces of flair, buttons allowing employees to express themselves. Her boss hassles her for not wearing more than the required minimum. So, yeah, Anne takes him to a hypnotherapist. Uh, what you guys think of this whole bit? You know, I thought that it was uh, necessary for Peter to have his, his persona altered. And the fact that the guy keels over, I didn't care, but I understand why it was there. It was, it was clunky. Did anybody recognize the therapist? Yes, he looked very familiar, but I couldn't remember where I knew him from. I don't know where I know him from. He is Friar Tuck from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, yeah. The Kevin Costner classic. Of course you know that. <laughs> of course I do. Because you love that fucking you, movie. You guys were so close to getting that in the trivia, but, you know. That's that's pretty obscure. <laughs> pretty fucking thin. I think it was pretty obvious. I think we were getting, it was pretty obvious that we were getting the trope of the hypnos, hypnotherapist dying. Yeah, maybe. But my question was... Who were the other people in there? Well, one was his girlfriend. I'm not sure. Was the other one like a parent? There were, no, there was two other. There was two other people. Yeah, there was five people in that room. Mm. Was it a group thing? What I was going on there? I don't know. Once again, clunky. I yeah. assumed it was her family. I just assumed it was a group therapy. Interesting. Group hypnotherapy. But you're totally right. You saw him dying coming. And they do make subtle hints at it. Like he's twitching in the beginning. Like... I got to hurry this up because I think I'm dying. And then he sweats and then boom, he, he grabs out. his arm. Yeah. yeah. And Peter gets up. Oh, so happily he, he's, he's happy and just walks out and just walks out. Cut to eight o'clock Saturday morning. The alarm goes off and he just lays there. Wouldn't you just love to have I mean, that hypnotherapy? Just not care. And, and just to be able to sleep for that long. Yeah. I was going to ask you, uh, when was the last time you guys ever got to sleep that long? Well, how about this? 
I don't sleep continuously anymore. I wake up a couple times during the night. Yeah, so do I. And I got and I force myself to stay in bed. Don't get up. I'm gonna wake myself up. Yeah, I remember the day where I could close my eyes and be out for like twelve hours. Oh yeah, yeah. What about you? Oh, I can still do that on a Saturday. <laughs> I fucking love that, Julie. Hold on to it. Never <laughs> let that go. We almost have a competition every Saturday of who's going to get up first. Oh, for fuck's sake. How do they know that? We will wait each other out. That's it's, hilarious. It's usually whoever has to go to the bathroom the worst. I'm going to go ahead and say that Julie wins more often than not, meaning that you have to get up first. I have a little girl's bladder, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for you, Julie. Yeah. Then we get a uh, message on the answering machine, 10 o'clock. It's, hey, uh, Peter. I didn't know if you knew what we were starting at regular time today. It's not a half day. Yeah, and these go on and on and on. And then eventually well, Ann actually, calls, right? Actually, we get we get one more phone call, and we hear Bill starting to talk again, and then it cuts off. And then he wakes up a lot later, and we don't necessarily know what time it is, but... Peter gets up, stands up, goes over to the answering machine, and we see 17 on the answering machine. 17 messages. And then the phone rings, and it's Anne. Right, right. And and I love how uh, she's going on and on and on. She does that one thing, you know, anytime you've had a girlfriend like that who just rants and rants, he just hangs up, and I love that. <laughs> and the, just, fa- the fact that when she calls back, I, I, I love the scream that... Uh, that elicits enough energy in the answering machine that it vibrates on on the on the on the top when counter. she when she admits to cheating on him. Yeah, well, it's yeah. Like, you just hang up. And nobody hangs up on me. Yeah. Well, I did actually notice what Ken was saying too with the um, answering machine and like the low quality back then where it gets muffled. I did notice that as well. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little touch when it vibrated. The yeah. anger mm-hmm. coming through the, and I have to say to that, fuck her, right? Yeah. Good oh, and I'm cheating on you, too. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you, Peter. Good for you. So instead of going to work, where does he go? He goes to tchotchkes. Goes to tchotchkes. And what did you think of his approach to Joanna asking her out? Well, I just love the idea of going in and asking a waitress while she's working, do you want to have lunch? Yeah. She's yeah. like, here? That's not creepy or stalkery at all. No. Yeah, but it's the restaurant right next door where they clearly go and have coffee a lot, so they, you know, kind of see each other probably regularly it's not like somebody she but she, she doesn't recognize she doesn't know him she she, she doesn't know him from adam him. yeah just yeah. a customer mm. i just figured you know he goes there enough that she'd at least recognize him i thought that it started off kind of creepy and weird until he says i'm gonna go next door if you come great if you don't oh no see that's no what harm, I'm talking, no foul. that's what i'm talking about and so i think at that point you're like oh okay but then i i mean I, I don't know what he's, I mean, I know what he said to uh, entrance her, but I mean, do you think it happens that quick? He says, I'm going to just go watch Kung Fu. And then you hear the gong. Well, that's, right? how, that's how Julie and I, you know, got together. Over Kung Fu? Yeah. I love it. Actually, it was over the dog. In the meantime, we get to see the two Bobs at work and they're working on Tom and they want to know exactly what he does. And boy, does he lose his shit. <laughs> and he's just raging. But I've got people skills. So you don't physically move any, or you physically don't take anything down to the engineers or whatever it is, right? I just like, engineers should not talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And who comes in next? Michael Bolton. <laughs> Giving him the name Michael Bolton is funny. and But the fact that I think this is where John C. McKinley 
really kind of shines is because he's such a fan of Michael Bolton. And he's very passionate about it. And I love that Michael really hates Michael Bolton. But when he's talking to these two guys, they're like, what's your favorite song? All all of them. It's funny how quick uh, Michael flips. He, you know, just call me Mike. Kisses their ass. Yeah, just call me Mike. Well, I love that because earlier he said, well, why don't you just go by Mike? Why should I have to change my name? Yeah, what's he call him? An ass clown. A talented, no talent ass clown. Did you ever watch the uh, Funny or Die things with Office Space? They actually had the real Michael Bolton come on and reenact those scenes. Mm -hmm. Except when they got to no talent ass clown, he changed it to very talented ass clown. (laughs) Why wouldn't you? Right. Uh, Mike Judge, actually, I think it was in 1999, uh, Webster gave him credit for inventing the phrase ass clown. So we cut back to the restaurant, and it turns out that Joanna has decided to join Peter at the restaurant. And so then they have a little conversation. She talks a little about a little bit about her flair, and she doesn't want to talk about that. And then Peter, he shares, you know, that he doesn't want to, you know, his career goals now is to do nothing, wants wants nothing to do with that, right? And but what I think that works. And the reason why they, they click so quickly is because for whatever reason, Joanna, she loves the Kung Fu as well. And she, you know, Channel 39. Yeah. And they found a common ground there. And for whatever reason, it clicked. And maybe just in the nick of time, too, did you kind of get the feeling that as he kept saying, yeah, I'm not going to pay bills anymore. Or, yeah, I don't think I'm going to go to work anymore. Do you think there were any red flags going off in Joanna's head? A little bit. Why would you want to get mixed up with a guy like that that's going to be sitting on a couch for the rest of his life? I almost kind of got the opposite, which is that's like her dream, too. And she starts to click with him. It's almost like a cult mentality in that if he can make this work, can I make this work? I want to be a part of that. It's like she's getting a little intoxicated with this premise, right? Because she hates her job, too. And just the idea of quitting her job kind of sparks her up a little bit right what'd you think i just saw red flags i would have ran (laughs) (laughs) until he said kung fu milton is now told that he needs to move his desk and i and i love the way that during this scene milton is sort of stroking his stapler and he's he you know and bill god damn him what does he do he just he just grabs it. He well, just snatches it. Well, we can hear the two Bobs and Bill talking out front about, you know, Milton and all that. And at some point in that conversation, you hear the stapler come up. And that's when Milton starts stroking his stapler like, they're, co- they're coming for my stapler. Yeah, and they sure shit did because Bill took it. Yeah, apparently the stapler company, what was the name of that stapler company? Swingline. 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 Uh, they had discontinued the red stapler, but because of fans of this movie... They were basically forced to restart it again. Well, because they were getting so many requests. Yeah. Yeah. I still have a red swing line stapler. It's a little faded, though, because I got it a long time ago. Now we have Peter. He finally shows up to the office. And Michael, it he's so incredulous. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know? You're and, so fired. Uh, well, I got a number, and I got to put it down in, in my, you know, I got, I got to write it down in my ad, in my address book. You, you, you're supposed to be interviewing with the Bobs right now, right? And, oh, yeah, okay. And he goes in and he sits down with the Bobs. Damn, 
it feels good to be a gangster. Peter eventually shows up and casually disregards office protocol, stealing Lumberg's parking spot, violating the dress code, and removing a cubicle wall that blocks his view out the window. Impressed by Peter's frank insight into Inatech's problem, the consultants promote him despite Lumberg's misgivings. However, Michael and Samir are both fired. Milton, who is also expected to be terminated, but it is learned that he was laid off five years ago, but neither Milton nor the accounting department was notified. Accounting is told to just stop Milton's salary payments without telling him. Milton is subject to further mistreatment, including the confiscation of his beloved red stapler and the constant relocating of his desk, eventually down to the basement. So when Peter goes in to talk to the Bobs, I just loved his brutally honest uh, depiction of what his work life is like. Yeah, and he kind of gives them a idea. You know, he tells them, hey, I got eight bosses. And they're like, what? He's also telling them everything that's wrong at the company, which they can then use. Right. But when he gets up and he leaves, good luck with your layoffs. I hope your firings go really well. After he, he leaves the Bobs, then we get a, a very brief uh, bit where Joanna has a discussion with her manager, Stan, about flair. Did you catch who Stan is? That's Mike Judge. That was Mike Judge. Yeah, I didn't realize that until I just read that. I was going to add during the meeting with the Bobs, when they try to um, pronounce um, Samir's last name. Not a gene. Not going to work here any, anymore. <laughs> That was clever. I'm pretty sure that was improvised too. So, yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah, that was a great line. It was one of the, I think, ongoing jokes too that nobody could pronounce his name. Yeah, yeah. And so they they have this Peter discussion with Bill, and it turns out, oh, so how much time do you spend on these TPS reports? How it turns around. Where did the other guy go? Oh, that I noticed that camera shot. No, he is there, but it 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 is it is done cinematically so that that way Bill is isolated because his the boss he's still there and you can see just a little bit of his shoulder as the camera swings around, but it's behind one of the bob. He's behind one of the bobs now, out of frame. And it's in this bit where uh, John C. McGinley, one of the bobs. He's getting offended with Lumberg talking shit about Peter. And so he's going to flip it and go, how much time do you spend? So, yeah, great bit. Great bit. Peter shows up at work and he grabs that drill. And for I don't know why. What, what is that about that he grabs the drill to take the door? He keeps off? shocking himself. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, he hates the. Sh- that's one of his little pet peeves. Mm-hmm. But I guess my bigger question is, Peter, didn't you just go in and say you quit? No, because he's, he never said he quit. He, he, he was telling everybody he was going to quit. No, that he just wasn't going to show up anymore. That's what he, that's what he said. That's what he said. He's, so why is he showing up? Well, originally it was to get his uh, right. No, I'm talking about this time. I don't know why he came around this time. Oh, okay. I was just curious. I thought maybe he'd said something. Nothing that's better a, do. But that's he a good I, question. He keeps coming in. Right. He hates it so much. He was just going to stop coming he in. Plays Tetris on his computer. Yeah, well, I guess. Eating Cheetos with his Cheeto fingers. And so now we have a little montage, and the little montage is we get to see Joanna and Peter spending some time together. They're watching Kung Fu movie. We see them going out fishing, and then we have the the fish gutting at his workstation, Mm -hmm. and then he drops the cubicle walls. 
the, the cubicle wall. Right? I love that the when they show the scene later, the cubicle wall is just still there on the floor. Uh, he didn't. Even, it's not been removed at all. It's just there. And I like what Lumberg says. Uh, don't worry about this. Oh, we'll go ahead and take care of it for you. That's why he's there. Now I remember. Because he got a phone call from the Bobs. They wanted to talk to him. That's why he came in. There you go. My question has been answered. Look at this fucking guy. And I love how Bill just totally gets blown off by Peter, right? Mm-hmm. Totally, you know, shuts yeah. him out. Yeah, I, I'm going to need you to do this. No, I don't think so. I, I, I got a meeting with the Bobs. They called me at home. And so we get uh, a, another little bit where we now are told that Milton, he well, he's... He's actually laid off five years ago, but nobody told him. And there is an accounting that's that's a mistake, and we fixed the glitch. Yeah, I like how he says, no, 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 we fixed it. <laughs> He's going to stop getting paychecks, and it all should just work itself out. Mm-hmm. So I like how they also talk about uh, firing people on Fridays because that makes it easy rolling into the weekend. Right, right, it, which is fucking true. Yes, yes it's it is. very true, yeah. Friday afternoons. When I got fired from that certain insurance company, I don't think it was a Friday. I think it was like a Tuesday. But that was a long time ago. I got laid off one time, and uh, I still, basically they laid me off at the beginning of the month, and they said, yeah, we'll just have you you know, work through the rest of the month, but yeah, you'll be done at the end of the month. So I kept coming into the office, but they had nothing for me to do. Finally, my boss just came and said, you don't need to come in anymore. You can just go home. Did he use that nice soothing voice with mm. you too? Yeah. That's so nice, buddy. Yeah. Milton is now downstairs, and then we get this moment where we have Peter and the Bobs, and they're talking, and as they are sharing with him, he finds out that Michael and Samir are laid off, and he's going to get a pay raise because he's being promoted. Yeah, with like four or five people under him. Now we're back at... Peter's place, and he's kind of sort of gently trying to tell Michael what's coming. I love how Michael keeps saying, you know, if you keep this up, you're going to be fired, dude. You're going to be fired. And then He's the more worried about Peter, yeah. And the next thing is they're at the bar or something like that, and he's like, fuck. Yeah. And then he says, uh, how serious is this uh, computer virus scheme? He goes, it's, it's on point. You know, I got the idea from Superman 3. What could go wrong? of being mistreated, Peter, Michael, and Samir decide to take revenge by infecting Inditex accounting system with a computer virus designed by Michael to divert huge numbers of fractions of pennies into a bank account. Peter successfully installs the virus, and on Michael and Samir's last day, he steals a frequently malfunctioning printer, which the three proceed to destroy in a field. At a weekend party, Peter hears rumors from a colleague that Joanna has slept with Lumberg. When Joanna confirms this, a heated exchange leads to them breaking up. Frustrated with her job, Joanna quits in response to another lecture about her lack of flair. So, Peter is, I mean, he's worried about Michael and Samir, and he's mad at Inatech, and he asks Michael about his virus thingamadoodle. That he's and, talked about before. And and they need, what, a software engineer? Who, why do they bring in Samir? They need S- Samir they, had something to do with the insurance side of things. He, or, can, he can get to the, like, have it go to payroll, go to the, the banking part of it. Oh, I got you. So I one can you. write the, the virus, one can connect it up to payroll. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but I thought it was interesting in the, I love how he's trying to convince Samir and he smears very much against it. Then he starts talking about, well, even if we get arrested, we're going to go to, you know, a minimum security type place with conjugal visits and then all of a sudden clicks with Samir. So all, all Samir cares about is, so tell me about these conjugal visits. Yeah. And you get, does this mean I get to have sex with women? So. And, and I, I love the way that the scene ends because, because you have swear that you do, you are not going to tell anybody, not a soul. Nobody's going to hear about this. We are not sharing this with anybody. And then you get Lawrence next door. You got it. Yeah. And they're like, who the fuck is that? And he's like, don't worry about it. He's good. And he's then good. how quickly did he roll over with Joanna telling her about the whole thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. The next day, you have the the little handoff, and and the and the you have the music playing, and it's so badass, right? It's supposed to be so slick, sl- so smooth. Was that was that it? It was that easy. I guess I love the fact that they put it on a floppy disk. Mm-hmm. Well, that 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 was the day of floppy disks. Uh, yes, yes, it was. I well, like I like the fact that not only was it a computer virus, but did you notice the file name was. The actual name was Virus. Yeah, I saw yeah. that as they were typing it. <laughs> I agree, too. I, I thought it was really funny that it was just called Virus. Yeah, yeah. I like the little around-the-back handoff that Peter and Samir do. I thought that was pretty the, the cute. The spinning of the, ch- of the chairs. No, when Peter... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, Samir and Peter, yeah, 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 yeah. Very Ocean's Eleven-y. Mm-hmm. That's what I reason. thought. I thought it, it felt like one of those type of movies. And yeah. then when Peter slides the floppy into the machine, you get the big ka-chong. Yeah. Yeah. And then it comes up, and it's like that green print, you know, on the screen. It uh-huh. just made me chuckle what it used to look like when you use a PC. I know, back in the day. The guys, they're driving in the car, and uh, Peter says, I stole something. Call it a going-away present. Yeah, this is probably the most iconic scene from this movie, you know, hands down. Uh, has anybody done this in real life? Uh, I, only once. So, yes. Yes. No. I haven't, but I have wanted to. I didn't ask if you wanted to. Have Have you done it? I have not done it. <laughs> that shocks me. I thought the I think I would think that you would be one of the ones to do it. Well, actually, what about you? A couple multiple times. Oh, nice. Yeah. And when I did it, I didn't necessarily do it. Do it. What? It was a Christmas party, and somebody was complaining about not having their own fax machine or something like that, and so it was. I, I got up in front of everybody and said, "Hey, man, I got you something." And I, I and I, I pull the I pull the unit up, and I just throw it onto the floor like ten feet away. There you go. That's for you. Merry Christmas. Uh, we were cleaning out inventory at a company that I used to work at, and we had a couple of them that didn't print anymore, and they were just pieces of shit. And so I just because of office space, I rolled up the dock door and I would throw them off uh, our dock. And watch him shatter on the concrete. It was fucking fantastic. This scene, very, very, th- very therapeutic. Satisfying. This scene has been like remade in all kinds of other things. Did you ever see the Family Guy version? Probably, but it, you're yeah. It's the one where Stewie and the dog they take uh, the was it the CD that Peter keeps singing? Uh, you know what's the word or what was it? Oh, the bird. Heard, yeah. Oh, bird is the word. Yeah, bird is the word. Bird, so, bird, bird. Yeah. Bird is the word. And so they're just yeah. shattering it. And they do the whole same thing, too, where like one's holding one back and he's stomping on it. Yeah. I just enjoyed it so much the first time I saw it. It was so satisfying to watch because these guys, they just go 
off on it. And the music that's playing with it, it it's it, it's such a badass moment. That music right there, you know, we talk about the music seems a little weird in certain places. It fit in that moment. Oh, sure. The, the lyrics, yeah, it's because of the, of the lyrics. Yeah. And, and we get a couple of low angle shots of of Michael and you see the blue sky up above and the guys standing above him and and then you know Samir gives him the bat and he's just going to town on it and and then he he loses the bat and he starts using his fists and we don't see him hitting inside but you know you see his fists going down you know into it and it's just like oh my god there's so much rage that's got to fucking hurt too yeah. right you're you're punching the inside of a, com- uh, yeah. a computer opponents of a printer I almost, with your bare knuckles? I almost feel like, you know, this movie at certain points feels like they were trying to make... Crack me up, you know, the way that they, you know, and they pull they pull Michael back, you know, both of his arms. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But then he lunges back at it again. Just the pure hate in his eyes. Yeah, but, but and it was just so satisfying, you know, watching the guys walk back to the car and... You know, Michael has the entrails of the machine trailing along behind him. They totally look like entrails, huh? Didn't the music that was playing at the time, didn't it talk about being a gangsta? A what? A gangsta. <laughs> that is, is it the Wasn't Damn that? It Feels Good to Be a Gangster? Is yeah. that the song that plays there? No. Oh, No, no, was. that's in the beginning, isn't it? For some reason, I thought it was Sabotage, but no. No. What was it? I, I never checked. Okay, cut that whole thing out. Oh, can I? Can I cut that whole thing out? Is but, it okay with you? Yes. But keep gangsta. Is, oh, gangsta. gangsta. So, yeah, we, we have Drew show up, and he tells the guys, and we get a little montage about the fate. And But, you know, what I like more <laughs> is Drew talking about it. going to make my O face. Oh. Oh, 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 oh. oh. You, you know what I'm talking about. Oh. <laughs> Listeners, if I could just show you these two's O faces, that would be quite funny. And I want it to be known that Julia's laughing. <laughs> Next scene you have is Peter and Joanna in the car. And now he's kind of sort of fessing up as to a little scheme that the boys are doing. I like how she says, so it's stealing. Totally. And he's like, well, no, I'm not explaining it right. Okay, so it's stealing. <laughs> no matter how you cut it. You well, steal. I just love it first that he's like, I can't talk about it. I can't talk about it. And then all of a sudden he's just talking about it. Yeah, well, that's what happens, right? You know that's what happened because what happened the night before? That's what happens. And so they get to this party, and uh, this is where we see Tom. And you're kind of taken aback because the way he looks in that wheelchair Right. I mean, he's got an IV drip on the wheelchair with him. That dude is probably on so much pain medication. It fucking sounds like heaven. So, yeah. well, well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> this is also where we get introduced his idea of the jump to conclusion game. And earlier, I love how they're all like, that is the worst idea I've ever heard. And now he's actually made it. Well, he has a prototype. We don't know if he ever sells it or yeah, not. Right. But at least he's living his dream, right? Yep. And this is also where we find out that uh, Peter's love, Joanna, fucked Lumberg. What do you guys think of this? Uh, kick to the balls. A little bit, right? This is, I think, where we start to see, I don't know if the hypnosis is wearing off or what, but now he's starting to care about things. And, and this is where the first time he shows that he actually, something got to him, which was her sleeping with Lumberg. Oh, maybe. Because he just hates that guy. Oh, I know. I think it's starting to wear off when he's telling Michael he's getting fired. That's exactly where mm-hmm. it is. You know, and it, he kind of 
takes a breath back and goes, oh. But you're right. He really does fucking care, and it really does bother him. When you guys first saw this, did you ever think that it was Bill Lumberg? Yeah, the very first time, especially when she he had the flash on his mind. We're seeing you know him going, okay, uh, this this good. This they show that sex scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was the uh, real Lumberg. Yeah, of course I did. Why would we think otherwise? Because Jennifer Aniston is too pretty for Gary Cole. I never bought it for one second. She could be a closet nympho. No, never, never bought it. I knew it was going to come back. And it was going to be a different Bill Lumberg. I did think it was interesting. Or Ron Lumberg, as it turns out his name is. I yes. thought it was kind of a small world that things would connect up. But then I thought, well, maybe Inatech is near this Tchotchke's place. And that's why they go to it all the time. Maybe there's a lot of cross. Yeah, maybe. But I didn't buy it for one second. But Peter does. He can't let it go. Cannot let it go. And so they're driving back. And Joanna's like, you know, I've been thinking about it. And you are stealing type of a thing. And he immediately turns it into, well, at least I didn't fuck Lumberg. Yeah. So he's slut shaming her. He's a fucking dick. Oh, yeah. Should it matter who she slept with before they got together? No. Thank you, Professor. Uh, sometimes it does. No. Thank you, Julie. But And you said sometimes it does. And okay, that's your opinion. Everybody's got history, man. Everyone's got luggage. Absolutely. Yeah. So anyways, uh, he's a dick. She gets out and good for her. And yeah. he goes home to yeah. cry. She t- and he has the, and he has the bad dream of Joanna being fucked by uh, Bill. Next scene, you have Stan, the manager, talking to Joanna uh, one once again about her flair or lack thereof flair. Well, she does the bare minimum, but is that all she wants to be? She just wants to be someone who does the bare minimum. And I think this is probably my favorite Jennifer Aniston scene when if she I, when she quits. Yeah, when I, if I had to pick one. Because other than that, she's just kind of playing throughout the there. whole thing. But when I'm she's, expressing myself. Right. When she shows her emotion, she starts flipping everybody off. What I love is she flips the customers off. She didn't have to, right? She could have just left it with the boss. But no, she makes it a point to reach around his head and flip the customers off. Well, what do you think of this, Julie? Oh, I laughed. <laughs> There's so many times where I would have loved to have done that when I quit a job. Exactly. Was she flipping off the customers or was she just flipping off the blonde guy? Who I mean, cares? it comes across as the customers. Right, who cares? I, I it was t- everybody. I, yeah, I took it as everybody, too, yeah. especially the blonde guy, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> On Monday, Peter discovers that a bug in Michael's code has caused the virus to steal over $300,000 across the weekend which guarantees they will be caught. Peter decides to accept full responsibility, writing a confession and slipping in under Lumberg's office door after hours, along with the traveler's checks of the stolen money. Peter learns that Lumberg, with whom Joanna slept with, was Ron Lumberg, another software engineer unrelated to Bill Lumberg. He meets Joanna, who has started a new job at another restaurant. He apologizes, and they reconcile. The next morning, Peter drives to Inatech expecting to be arrested, but discovered that Milton has burnt down the building, destroying all evidence. Peter enjoys a new job as a construction worker with his neighbor, Lawrence. Samir and Michael begin new jobs at Inatech's rival, Intertrode, while Milton, having found the traveler's checks, goes on vacation in Mexico. Roll credits. So we have Peter... He's at the ATM, and he's checking the account balance. 
<laughs> and everybody's starting to lose their shit. To put it mildly, yeah. I would too. Yeah. <laughs> and then Michael's like, oh, I must have fucked up and moved a decimal or something. I always do that. I, stupid mistake. Yeah. yeah. Julie would have responded with, you think? Yeah. I was just about to say that. You think? Next scene we have is the birthday cake bit. It's Bill Lumberg's birthday. Mm-hmm. And they're so somber when they sing happy birthday. There is no joy, no happiness in the entire office. This, you mentioned earlier, this was to me just a heartbreaking scene where Milton gets handed this piece of cake and he's about to take a bite. And they're like, no, pass it down, Milton, pass it down. And the chick that tells him that, I knew a hundred of them at that former insurance company that I used to work at. And the same lady that used to go, somebody's got a case of the Mondays. I so. think Milton's... You know, the last time we had cake, I, I didn't get a piece of cake. So I, I wanted a piece of cake. Milton, don't be so greedy. Pass it down. <laughs> and, Bitch. And how does the scene end with Milton saying, I, I, I could set the building on fire? Which he repeatedly says. But you notice, that, of course, the last piece gets passed down. He doesn't get a piece of cake. Not a piece of cake. Poor Milton. Mm-hmm. Poor Milton. Did that break your heart, Julie? It did. Oh, good. I felt bad for Milton. You just want to hug him. Kind of. Although you you know, the more we're talking about it, the more kind of I want to hug Milton. But I feel like if he did hug him, he'd just be a big sweaty mess. Oh, my God. For sure. Ew. Next scene we have the guys, they are trying to figure out what are they going to do. And pretty much they come up with looking up the definition of money laundering. And so they leave. And I love what uh, Lauren says to Peter. Peter says, hey, do you want to come over? And Lauren's just like, nah, man, I don't want you to fuck my life up. <laughs> When does uh, Orlando Bloom show up? Oh, here, because they're talking about money laundering. So Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones, excuse me. Yep. Orlando Bloom is. Uh, Pirates. Yeah, there you go. So Orlando Jones shows up. What did you guys think of this whole bit? Oh, my God. He was so funny with this cross-eyed. Yeah, he was really funny. I used to be addicted to crack, and now I sell magazines. I just kept thinking of Eddie Murphy. A little bit, a little bit. I like how, uh, because he was formerly on crack, that they thought that he could hook them up with their drug dealer. Uh, when he breaks character and goes, no, nah, man, I that, I was just acting, I didn't see that coming. Mm. I, that bit I uh, remember laughing out loud to. I, I didn't expect him to break character, and I also didn't expect him to basically tie in by saying, yeah, I'm actually a software programmer. <laughs> and, and he's I like, I off. make more money doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. And then they re- they realize they just told them everything that they did. <laughs> and they're like, oh, what what are the odds of you not saying anything? Well, now that you mention it, I love when Peter closed the doors. He says, what am I supposed to do with 40 subscriptions to Vibe? Peter finds out that Joanna did not sleep with Bill, but slept with Ron Lumberg. And wouldn't you think that as their friends, they would have brought that up before then? But maybe they didn't know about the particulars about why they had the breakup. Yeah, but even, I don't know, with a name like Lumberg, I just feel like it's kind of hard to get that mixed up. Yeah, when the first came up, when that guy with the O face said Lumberg, you think they would have put two two together that it wasn't the same Lumberg. And that's kind of why I didn't buy it. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, but, but, but both Samir and Michael say, yeah, everybody knows that. Just not Bill. Just not. I would have well, clarified. Well, just no, not no, Peter. Just not Peter. I'm just saying. I would have clarified. It wasn't Bill. Yeah. So, yeah. As his as Peter's friend, you would have clarified yeah. because you know Lumberg. Everybody knows who fucking Bill Lumberg is, right? Yeah. So, anyways, I nitpick. Whatever. 
She took him back pretty quick, though, when he apologized. Yeah, and I, I believe in second chances, and I believe that, uh, you know, as guys, we do very stupid things, and I'm sure Julie can concur. And uh, I, I this part I, I believed. You know, because I think there was something there, and they like kung fu, and well, okay, but with the panda, okay, but also something else had to happen first, which is Peter has another nightmare, and the nightmare is that he is going to spend no less than four years in a pound me in the ass prison. And, yes, and then he he wakes up, he get, he gets up, and he writes a letter, and he goes to Inatech to fess up. Yeah, and he's going to take all the blame. Yep. I love how he throws it under the the door and the camera holds. And then he, and holds. he lunges back. <laughs> he lunges back. Never and, once did he think to even try the fucking door. Exactly, because right? Milton yeah. Milton just walks straight in. Right, right, right. And so it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. But anyway, so it is because of that that I think Joanna takes him back. I do, too, because he comes clean. Yeah. Because he starts with, you know, I, I might be going away for a while. Well, and I like that part too, right? When they kiss to make up and that blonde guy with all the flair from the restaurant. Get a hotel. Get a hotel. And then he flips her off. Yeah. What a little dick. Yeah. Right? But but Peter's heartfelt confession to her, I, I think, you know, really sells it well. And the fact that he fesses up to everything and she can see that, okay, he's made a mistake, but he's he's reconciling. He's rec- he, There's a reckoning that's happening. Sure. Sure. Agreed. So the next morning we get Milton trying to explain the runaround. What'd you guys think of this bit? The whole bit about how, how he's not getting paid and you just need to wait for Mr. Lumberg to get it. He told me to talk to accounts payable and accounts payable told me to talk to Mr. Lumberg and he just keeps going around and around. It's a story of his life. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how he walks in and the envelopes on the ground. He just steps over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he didn't know what it was, but there's the reveal of the envelope. Yeah. Yeah. And then Peter's driving in and he's expecting to be arrested or, you know, some sort of action and come to find out an attack is burnt down. Yeah. It's currently on fire. Yes. Yes. Milton has uh, done what he said he was going to do throughout the whole fucking yeah. movie. So we didn't actually see him doing it. But I think we can guess who did it. So I, I got a question because Peter, he's going to Inatech. Why does he pack a bag? Uh, that's a good question. I didn't know if he was going on the run or if... If you go to uh, minimum security, it is literally like checking into a hotel. You can actually bring stuff in with you. He's going to, he's going to jail, which is going to hold him until court. And then yeah. after that, probably... Maybe he would go to a minimum security, but he's going to jail. Wait, 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 wait. hang on. I I got a better question. How in the fuck do you know about minimum security jails? That is a part of my life I do not wish to speak of. No, okay. Well, there you go. Asked and answered, Your Honor. But my my guess is he has no idea what he's getting into. Yeah, I I took it as he was going to go on the run. But that's just me. Yeah, I just figured he was on the run. Yeah. Didn't you like Lawrence's advice to Peter? His parting words? Watch your cornhole, bud. Oh, yes. <laughs> Did you not think that Lawrence had the best hairstyle and mustache? Hands down. Yeah. Hands the, down. The mullet. I think he, he did that mullet some justice. Very achy, breaky. Billy Ray. <laughs> Very some Billy Ray. 
But also, um, once they get out, he gets out of the car, and they're all standing there watching Inatech burn down, and you kind of see Milton in the background kind of walking behind people. It, yeah, and you're starting to, okay, this is what's happened here. Yeah, and uh, the sense of relief on Peter's face, right? So... I don't see, I understand that it put him in the clear, but I wouldn't necessarily have thought that I would have been in the clear just because the building burned to the ground. No, but there's probably a good idea that you were, but. Well, I like how they question, you know, what happened to the money. Yeah. You think the money got burnt up too? I guess, guess the money did. Wouldn't you be a little bitter about that? Um, or would that yes, just be a load off yeah, your mind? I think it, I think it goes, I think it's bittersweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had that money. But there was a good chance you were going to get caught. If there was a chance that I wouldn't get caught and I just have to give the money back and no harm, no foul, I think I'd take that all day. Mm-hmm. 100%. Mike Judge said in an interview that this is one of the things of the movie he did not like. He hated the ending of the movie. Uh, I haven't read what he preferred the movie to end like, but he said he was just so unhappy with it, but it was released so quickly he wasn't able to put in any changes. Wait, who wrote this? Mike Judge. Who directed it? Mike Judge. What the fuck is he talking about? I don't know. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I think his preference probably would have been, and I don't know if it would have been a better movie, is that they got the money in the end. Are you guessing or did he say that? That's kind of what the interview uh, was kind of leading the direction it was going. Ah. Uh, okay. He said it kind of ended in a downer that they didn't get the money. And when I watched it last night, uh, because I had forgotten that Milton got the money, I immediately thought of the original Ocean's Eleven. The Frank Sinatra one. Did you guys ever see that? No, but I know how it ends. Yeah, right? So I thought that was kind of paying homage. And then at the end, when we see Milton on the fucking beach. Being Milton. Beat me by one second. Uh, What does he say, Julie, on the beach? Well, see, I was looking that up earlier because I always say I asked for my margarita with no salt. There were no salt. There were large granules of salt. Yeah. But as I was reading about it, I didn't realize that he ordered a Mai Tai and they brought him a pina colada, no salt. Right. Like, how many drinks is this guy having? Well, fuck, he's Milton. And I like how he says, uh, yeah, and I'm going to write a review and get this place shut down. And so we get to see Peter at his construction job, finds the red stapler. And he's happy. He's, he does appear to be happy. Yeah, the guys show up, and they're working the, They're working at another software company, and they offer him, hey, you should come work with us. And he's, no, I'm, I'm good here. Yeah. I mean, and that just kind of goes to show you that even though he could work in an office, he doesn't have to because he wanted to do ultimately what made him happy. And at that moment in time, working in construction and working with Lawrence and with his hands, blah, 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 he was happy. It brought him happiness. Nice. And that was Office Space. Welcome to a new segment we like to call... Face the wheel. Face the wheel. Face the wheel. Face the wheel. The premise is simple. One of us will spin the wheel and whatever category comes up, the three guys will apply it to the movie we are reviewing. Once we have all presented our pitch, it is up to you, the listeners, to decide which one was best. Uh, speaking of which, John, have we gotten any comments about last week's show yet? Not a one. Okay, there you go. Listeners, make sure to let us know which one of the bits you like the best. Which means I won. You know what? I, I can't argue that because I don't even remember what last week's was. The categories for this week are mashup, fuck it, I liked it better when it was called, 
spin again, pick any, add any character, reboot, genre, rename, or plot. All right, tonight it was it was Professor's pick. He pulled Office Space out of the helmet. It is your spin there, guy. Plot. All right, so it has landed on plot. Plot, I think, is kind of self-explanatory. What is the plot of Office Space? And we just rewrite the plot. Yeah. Uh, if I was going to rewrite this movie and give it a different plot, I would, as I kind of said earlier, I would have focused more on Milton and made the movie literally all about Milton, going through his day of just starting from him at home, what his home life is like, you know, his riding the bus, what his experience on the bus, because you know that must have been mis- miserable for him on the bus. You know, this whole thing, and maybe all the activities that were going on in the movie with them stealing the money and everything else, have that be the background things going on. So we can kind of see what's going on in the background with the three guys, but have the focus be on Milton. Interesting. Interesting take. Julie, you have anything? Um, I was thinking it would be funny to change the plot to, like, forced fun events where, you know, court like, you hire, like, the Bobs, people to come in and do like these forced fun events that nobody enjoys, but they, you know, come up with the games or different things to build more, you know, morale and then take it on like following the bobs and their ideas and, and getting into the quirkiness of the people. Interesting. Hmm. That's not bad. Yeah. That's not not bad. Good. (laughs) <laughs> the but lucky for you it's the listeners who are gonna judge us and let us know who's good and who's bad right all right i think for the plot i would change it to uh instead of peter's attitude of being i fucking hate everybody he's gonna climb to the top of Inatech, and instead of being unhappy he's gonna be super ambitious and through comedy and hijinks peter and company take over in and right all the wrongs with corporate america I could see that. Can you imagine if they took the 300000 and used that to be, build a competing company against an attack? Right. You know, uh, but in this one, they wouldn't have gotten caught because, you know, that's that's the joke of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and changing the plot is just steering it just in a little bit different direction that we're already in. Yeah, that was really good. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate that. But mine was better, right? No, I like Don's. Yeah, you're used to that, aren't you, bud? Okay, listeners, there you have it. Our attempt at changing the plot to office space. Let us know via social media or our website who you thought had the better plot. And that concludes this week's... Face the wheel! Face the wheel! Face the wheel! Face the wheel! wheel. All right, what do you guys think? You guys ready to rate this flick? I'm ready to rate this flick. Johnny, ready to rate this flick? Good evening, sir. My name is John. I come from a rough area. I used to be addicted to crack, but now I am off it and trying to stay clean. That's why I'm here to give my review. Hey, uh, Professor, how do we do our ratings? We do our ratings on a scale of one to five fucks. Five fucks is a movie that we think is cinematic gold. And a one fuck movie is a movie that you get done watching and you're never going to watch it again. And what's a zero? A zero fuck movie is a movie you get done watching it and you turn to your buddy and you say, Oh, for shit's sake, what the hell? 
I want one hour and 30 minutes of my life back. Or in other words, we just don't give a fuck. Uh, Typically, we would have our guests go first and give us your rating. But since you have been such a sporty guest and awesome, I'm going to give you a choice. Would you like to go now or would you like to go later? I'll go now. Bless you, Julie. Bless you. Office space is a must watch for anyone who has ever felt the frustration of corporate life where you have been trapped in a job that has an overbearing boss who never works and micromanages everything you do, doesn't allow a good work-life balance and provides no inspiration to climb the corporate ladder. The film came out at a time in my life where I worked at a large corporate American company that was sending our jobs overseas. I was stuck in a cubicle environment and had to partake in those corporate fun events that I always refer to as forced fun. I can relate to the character of Peter Gibbons, where every day felt like Groundhog's Day. The same commute, the same boring meetings, the same quirky co-workers, same meaningless job. After a while, it just builds up inside you where you feel like you're in a living hell. So you have to find ways to make it through the day and find humor. I myself have had to meet with the corporate bobs to explain what it is that I do every day and to put a value on what and to put a value on why they needed me. This film is a must watch for anyone who has ever lived the painful office life of TPS report cover sheet reminders. I quote this movie all the time and I have the red swing line stapler on my desk at work. And it's funny how many times people will ask about the TPS report when they see it. Um, And for all those reasons, um, yeah, I'm going to have to give this movie four fucks. Four fucks from Julie. Your movie, you're up. Yes, sir. Office Space is a movie that has... Each time I watch it, I find it just as enjoyable as the last time. It's an easy watch. It's a quick watch. And I, I find that the story arcs that we have with our three main protagonists to be a lot of fun. The, uh, the whole Milton bit is always uh, amusing to watch as well. The characters are unique and distinct enough that you have a little bit of something with each one of the characters that you're invested in. I really think that uh, Gary Cole plays his character so wonderfully. He is so annoying, and he, you know, kudos to him for for giving that character life in the way that you just, you know, you seethe with frustration and anger and contempt from for the guy each time he shows up on screen because he's so douchey. The uh, the needle drops are a lot of fun in a couple of the scenes, and it just really works for me. I, I think that these characters are are good enough that I uh, associate these characters with they they got to represent a lot of corporate life people that you know that are frustrated with the office life that they have and the drudgery of going to work. Dealing with the commute, I, I, I thought that it captured it well. In the end, I'm giving this movie 3.5 fucks. 3.5 fucks from the professor. All right, you or me? I think I will go. <laughs> okay, buddy. But before I do, 
Would you like to guess what my rating will be? <sighs> yeah, sure. Um, I think you've been on a streak lately. No, well, no. Or did you get it wrong last week? No, I got it right last week, but I got it wrong the week before. Okay. So if I get it right this week, it'll be a streak. So I think that you're going to give Office Space four fucks. Four fucks? Is that your final answer? That's final answer. Okay. Anyone who's ever worked in an office environment gets this movie. It makes the humor hit home, especially when we've worked with employees just like the characters in this movie. Mike Judge did a great job capturing the hellish side of corporate life. I feel the casting in office space was really well done. The actors chosen not only did a great job portraying their roles, but they also looked the parts of their roles. For me, the best character in this movie, acting and storyline, was Milton. While there is a lot of humor in this movie, the overall story is what seems a little bit mediocre to me. The main character, Peter, often comes off as more of a dick than a rebellious hero type. His cohorts come across more of just stooges than really adding much to the story. That being said, the rest of the movie does bring a lot of laughs, very quotable lines, and memorable characters. Everyone I know who has seen this movie has to quote this movie from time to time. It deserves its place as a cult classic. It's a movie I would definitely recommend to others and rewatch most of the times it's on. So for those reasons, I'm giving Office Space 4.000000 fucks. All right. I will fucking take that O face all day long, baby. 3.5 fucks from the professor, 4 fucks from our guest Julie, and 4.000 fucks from the comic book guy. So you got to pace it out. Right. Oh, oh, oh. You're, you're still in a fucking hurry, dude. What's, what's the rush? We're, we're, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's like jackrabbit yeah. sex. I'm sorry, Julie. That's all <laughs> I can say is I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, it's my turn. Office space. Uh, I get why everybody loves it. I get why it's very quotable. I, too, worked in the corporate environment. I also worked in the restaurant environment, so I know both sides of it. Um, I guess just for me, it, and it might be the cast or just how it's all laid out. It made me chuckle in some spots, but I, for one, and probably in the, in the minority, I don't think it's all that funny. And again, there are bits that made me laugh. Don't get me wrong. It's a decent movie. Is it in my top 10 comedies of all time? No. Is it in my top 20 comedies of all time? No. It's sort of a middle-of-the-road type of comedy for me. And, you know, again, I know I'm in the minority, but whatever. Like Professor says, how I feel about a movie is how I feel about a movie. So with that being said, I'm giving Office Space 2.75 fucks. Wow, that's higher than I thought you were going to go. Oh, really? Yeah. With 3.5 fucks from The Professor, 4 fucks from The Comic Book Guy, and 2.75 fucks from Yours Truly, that gives Office Space an average of... 3.4 fucks, which now ties it in the 19th spot with It, Chapter 2, It, Summer School, Barbarian, Ocean's 12, Tremors, and Tango and Cash. It is slightly better than The Greatest Showman, Big, Mallrats, and Dr. Sleep, and slightly worse than Big Trouble in Little China, Heat, P. 
Peanut Butter Falcon, and Little Miss Sunshine. So there you go. All right, that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. If you would like to know which movie we are going to be reviewing next, please check out the website. And speaking of which, John, where can they find us? Well, they can find us at our website, threeguysinaflick.com, where we post all of our show notes, uh, anything else we feel like putting up there, as well as there's a form on there that you could go ahead and submit what movie you'd like us to review next, as well as just give us some feedback. Tell us who won the wheel. Uh, tell us anything you'd like us to you know, review on this movie or talk about. Uh, just tell us that we're doing a great job or that Dawn sucks. Either way, it's all good. You can, and you can find us at all of social media or any place that hosts podcasts. And if you are listening to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere, go ahead and give us a comment or a like or you know subscribe. Help us get our numbers up, and we would love to hear some feedback from you. All right. I just want to thank Julie for coming on. Did you have a good time? I had a great time. It's always fun. That's good. Well, you are welcome back anytime you like. Thank you. And thank you for submitting this movie into the Bronco Helmet. I also want to throw out a shout out to one of our new listeners, Haley. She reached out to us and said that she loves the show. Thank you so much for listening. And just so you know, your request is in the Bronco Helmet and I can neither confirm nor deny that it may be coming up in the next couple of weeks. So keep your ears on. I also want to thank anyone else who listens and who has suggested a movie. If you keep listening, we'll keep recording. For Three Guys in a Flick, I'm Don. I'm John. I'm Ken. And I'm Julie. And um, yeah, we're going to need you to listen to the next podcast. If you could do that, that'd be great. It feels good to be a gangster. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. You'll, it's not the size of the up. wand, it's what you can do with it. Oh, you're so sweet for saying that. We all know that's not true, but you're <laughs> so sweet for saying that. Look at the smile on Comic Book Guy's face. He's so happy right now. <laughs> How much did the ATM receipt say... How much did the ATM? How much did the ATM receipt say in the? Who the fuck wrote this question? I think that was you. Oh shit! I'm glad something's tight. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. That could be taken. You could have just really, really insulted somebody here at this table. But I'm just. Man. All right. I love wow. You. <laughs> wow. I don't see Ken blush that much, but here it is. I don't know if we have said this, but if pe people are new listeners, Julie is my wife. <laughs> oh, look at him trying to backpedal now. Hey, I was just happy that you said something. I feel <laughs> bad. Be, I feel too quiet. No, I feel bad that these two clowns won't let you talk and you go like this. <laughs> but I would ask that you quit banging on the fucking table, Sorry, okay? But I'm not doing it during the real thing. This isn't real? <laughs> Uh, the mashup, I thought it would be fun to mix it with Best in Show and make a mockumentary. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. So it would basically be The Office. Oh, my God. You beat me by half a second. Not bad. Or have another one. Okay. Fucking fire away, buddy. I am so ready. I'm showing my O face. Oh, 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 oh. Wow.
Wow, that was a really aggressive kind of um, out of control. <clears throat> I don't want to say spastic, but kind of an out of control O face there. I'm kind of scared there, bud. Are you all right there, Professor? I'm just curious. Does that make you uncomfortable at all, Julie, that John's revealing things like this? <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> now it's the time of the evening. <laughs> Why do we do this every week? Because this is the best part of my week. Is it poor name? Yes. Look how excited she got. <laughs> We've been working on this. She's got some ideas. Okay. No, I we haven't been working on this. Oh, wow. It makes it sound like we've talked about We don't talk about this so that it's fresh on the podcast. I was hyping her up a little. Have you? No. Well, yeah. Well, that's okay. That's okay. I'm All right. Uh, we should start with Professor, say. though. Yes. Go ahead, buddy. I know you got one. <sighs> Get off his face. <laughs> He may have won. Oh my gosh! Wow. I don't. I don't. I, yes, I don't. I don't know if I even want to go now. I, mines are just dumb now because I have one. And what's yours? Fucking brilliant. Orifice space. You know what? I actually had that down too. Oh, did you? Yeah. My uh, the three I had three was now you don't feel bad, Ken. Orifice space, orgy space, which I thought would be professor, or office facial. Eh, that's not bad. I get off his face, though. I don't know what, what you got there. So good. I just had oh 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 office space. <laughs> <laughs> all right. May all of your uh, days and nights be filled with happiness. All right. Fuck off. Good night. Bills and you know I've never really liked paying bills. I don't think I'm gonna do that either. <laughs> and now a word from the president.